It is time for Mac Geek Gab, and listener Paul brings us our quick tip of the week. With uh, He tells us, he says, I used to just power down everything uh, with my Apple TV when it was acting funny and the remote wouldn't pair. But recently that stopped working, and I learned that I can restart my Apple TV or Siri remote, which I didn't know before, and you do it. By pressing the TV button and the volume down button for five seconds, and then the remote will restart, and that resyncs everything for Paul. I didn't even know this was possible, and that alone is a quick tip. And then we actually know how to do it: TV button and the down button, volume down button for five seconds. More tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Gab nine fifty eight for Monday, December fifth. 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where we take your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found, the things you send in to us at feedback at macgeekgab.com. We string them together into an agenda loosely so that as we go through it, we are all but guaranteed that everyone here, me, Pete, John, you at home or in your car, wherever you happen to be, it doesn't matter where you are, wherever we are, each of us, we each learn at least five new things. Every single time we get together, sponsors for this episode include masterclass we're at masterclass.com slash mgg you can get unlimited access to masterclass uh, and then of course zocdoc uh, we're at zocdoc.com slash mgg you can find and instantly book an appointment with peer with like patient reviewed doctors it's amazing we'll talk more in depth about each of those shortly here for now still here in durham new hampshire as always i'm dave hamilton and here in Fairfield, Connecticut, on a different computer because my keyboard died, <laughs> this is John F. Braun. Requiem for a keyboard. Uh, good morning, gents. Uh, Pilot Pete here in Lee, New Hampshire. Fun to be with you again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's, all, it's good when the three of us are here. I like it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Hey, uh, so yeah. Go- Came in the room, banged on the keyboard, and nothing. I'll do it every time, John. They, <laughs> um, no, it's a, a Logitech solar keyboard that uses this uh, proprietary little connector. But yeah, just just rolled over. So I wonder if it's the batteries in the keyboard. Um, well, it has solar panels on it. So actually, oh. I put it. I mean, the thing is, it's never. Uh, anytime I check the the levels on it, they have you know a little widget. Uh, it says one hundred percent because you know sunlight does kind of come into this room. Sure. Um, well, I put it in direct sunlight uh, downstairs, so maybe maybe the battery's dead. I don't know. Well, it, I also because I have um, uh, I guess I don't use a Logitech keyboard anymore, but I did for you know fifteen or more years, and I found that occasionally, not not often, but it happened through the the tenure with a couple of different Logitech keyboards that were similar to yours that use the dongle that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's its own, uh, 
wireless technology. So it's, it's not Bluetooth. It's certainly not Wi-Fi, uh, but you know, it's, I, I don't think it's, it's not RF, but it's whatever. It's whatever it is uh, that those would get out of sync and I would have to repair them occasionally. There's a button on the dongle, a button on the keyboard. But when I press the button on the keyboard, I would see lights flash on the keyboard that would tell me that the batteries were good because I never had the solar one. I always had the one that I had to replace the batteries. So oftentimes they became unpaired when the batteries were out for too long and it like forgot. I, I don't know whatever it was. So maybe there's hope is what I'm saying, John. Yeah, it could. It could be the batteries are low, so yeah. we'll find out after the show. If not, I'll go to Staples, and I'm sure they have a Mac keyboard there. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I Downstairs, I am using the um, Matthias, um, uh, one of the mechanical keyboards. I, I'll pull it up here because it's, what's it called? It's the Tactile Pro keyboard for the Mac. I, I can't, I couldn't possibly use that for podcasting. Because too clicky, way too clicky. So yes, b- please bear that in mind, John, when you're buying a new keyboard, that uh, that you that you need something that is silent. Uh, here in the studio, I use one of Apple's keyboards. I guess the Mac Mini, which is what you have, doesn't come with a keyboard. It, the the box is too small. So, um, but I you know I I know. Plenty of podcasters that actually have two keyboards at their at their computer, one that, you know, one like the Apple one or or just something silent that they use when they're doing shows. And then the other one that they use because they like how it feels. So um, so maybe it's time to buy two keyboards, John. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there you go. So fun stuff. Hopefully it's an easy. Um, easy solution easy for you. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully that's all it is. Have you, did you check that like your USB hub or whatever you have that plugged into is, is functioning that like it, that it is the keyboard and, and like you're getting lights on the, the little transmitter thing or whatever. Mm. No. All right. Well, there, you know, that I'm just my, mouse works. my trackball works. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll, no, it's, there's a button on the keyboard that will show a smiley face or a frowny face when you press it. Yep. And it shows nothing. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Oh yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's definitely something going on with the keyboard. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm eager to hear uh, both how it works out and what you wind up getting. So, all right. Uh, we promised last week that we would make sure we got through most of the backlog of cool stuff found that we have here. And uh, while the Matthias Tactile Pro keyboard was not uh, on that list, it certainly is cool stuff found. So I'm happy that we started there. Ben brings us the next piece of cool stuff found. It says in episode 954, Pete mentioned how Google Photos was... Uh, filling up his Google, his Google storage space. And Dave commented about having experienced the same. If y'all would prefer Google didn't have access to your photos, or you just don't want them taking up space there, there's a way to easily delete them all, which Google on their own makes extremely difficult. As I think you and I have both found since episode nine. We have, we have. Yeah. Ben found a script a couple of years ago. And as he says, he's helped a handful of his clients accomplish this mass deletion. 
the underlying issue occurs at generally after one installs Google Photos on your iPhone or iPad and lets it upload. That makes sense. Uh, he says the script works great and is thoroughly described by its author, Brajeshwar Oinam. And I know I mispronounced that and I apologize for that. Uh, but you can go and take a look at this script and the description of it at uh, at his website. So you can get through it all. I have not done this yet. I, I want a full disclosure. I I I fully plan. I haven't. I haven't. You have and you haven't. I haven't. I haven't. How's that for dichotomy? Um, Super I helpful. I did everything <laughs> except press enter on the last step. So I want the reason I wanted to say that is the, the link that's in the show notes will take you to his site, and it is meticulously and perfectly described. Each step, read exactly what it says, and do what it says, and it will come up exactly right. There's none of this. You know, then you click this, and you're like, where the heck is that? I never saw it. It's it's all there. It's really well documented. So I, I did not push enter to get rid of all of them because I wanted to make sure I have a backup of my photos library sure. before I completely you know get rid of every photo of my life for the last 25 years <laughs> yeah 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 oh i i, I yes this is why yeah. i haven't run it yet well that's one of the reasons i haven't run it yet yeah but, uh, so, but i did want to say the documentation or the i should say the instructions are very meticulous very clear great and it will work awesome no, well i assume it will work when you get enter at the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course of course everything else was good so i'm assuming that's good cool uh, the next CSF comes from, uh, well, listener Matt, but also software developer Matt. Matt is from Tunabelly Software, and we talked about his TG Pro, which is the fan monitor and control app recently. After listening to the show, Matt realized there's something else he makes for free that we might really like, and it is Endurance, which is a CPU stress test app. Uh, if you've ever wanted to test how long your battery would last at full tilt or maybe what it takes to kick your fans in and, and where that happens and how that works, you can do this in a controlled setting with this endurance app, which will just crank up your CPUs and he offers it for free. It's available in the Mac app store. So thanks for sharing that with us, Matt. That's I, I can see that coming in handy, John, uh, as we as we try to test some things. And there's I know there's been times over the years where you and I have been like. Yeah, well, this happens when my computer speeds up, but uh, like I can't always replicate it. Now, now we can. So. Good, yeah. Yeah. Cool. You want to take us to Scott, Mister Braun? You, you, and the leaf blower behind you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Today's leaf blowing day. Nice. I got a rake line too. Um, in episode 957, you mentioned quitting Safari when it's been idle for X hours using Marco Arment's Quitter app. I'm sure that does an admirable job if that's what you need. For keyboard maestro users, and I know Dave is a fan, I have a time macro setup that quits all apps except those that I've added to the exception list every night at a specific time. This gives me the same clean desktop every morning when I return to my computer while allowing Mail, the one app on my exception list, to keep running so that SpamSiv, another great app, and Quick Tip can continue filtering my mail throughout the night. I like to focus on as few apps as possible and thus become more expert in them. And adding Quitter seems superfluous to me, thanks to Keyboard Maestro. You can actually program Keyboard Maestro to trigger a macro if the Mac has been idle for X minutes, although it doesn't get to the granular level of applications being idle. 
which might solve some users' needs too. Quitter is probably useful for a lot of people, but I'd like to do more with less. So in this case, Keyboard Meister does the job. I'm I, okay. So this is interesting to me uh, because I and and look, there are many features, probably most, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, uh, features of Keyboard Maestro that I don't. Not only do I not use, I don't even know they're there. However, there's there's one specific thing that I didn't hear in that description. It might well be there there in Keyboard Maestro, but what Quitter does is it monitors when I last used a specific app. So while his script in Keyboard Maestro sort of in a, in a, um, in a very uh, less granular way accomplishes this goal of having quit the apps overnight, that's great. Uh, what I like about Quitter is it doesn't just monitor how, when my Mac has been asleep, it monitors when I have not used a specific app. So I could be doing all kinds of things on my Mac, very engaged. But if there's an app that I haven't used and I've told Quitter to quit that app after 30 minutes where I haven't touched that app, it will. And that's where I really like the, the Quitter. Now, again, Keyboard Maestro might do this and I just don't know. So I just I just wanted to offer that distinction because if Keyboard Maestro does it, then I'm I'm kind of with Scott that running one less thing well, that's that's always better. So there's there's a way to find out. I know, but now during the show, like right now. Oh no, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't, uh, it, it, at the risk of free advertising, uh, MaxSparky.com/slash/fieldguides. He does a keyboard maestro field guide, uh-huh. which um, I, 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 his field guides are good for what it's worth. I agree. Our users, folks. Uh, so maxarchy.com slash field guides. Uh, he does a keyboard maestro field guide. And if, if that doesn't learn you how to use keyboard maestro, you're unteachable. <laughs> and I'm, it's, I might be, I try not to be unteachable, but it's possible. I know I am. Someday, that's... Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I agree with you. And, and, and that, there's no concerns with, with free advertising here. I mean, I... literally everything we just mentioned is, is effectively free advertising. Like that's, we mention things because they're good and we exactly. use them or you use them and you've convinced us that we should share them with, with the world. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Speaking of things that are good that I've never heard of before in our chat at uh, live.macgeekgab.com, Hog Molly mentions in reference to the, the endurance app that, that Matt sent in, Hog Molly mentions that the terminal command, yes, Y-E-S, will also max out a single core of the processor. So theoretically, you could go run, you know, eight of them in eight separate terminal windows. I didn't choose to run yes on my computer here because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a show and yeah, <laughs> might not be a good idea. Uh, you, you, and, and it is, you, you type yes. And, and then you can just hit enter or you can say yes. And then, uh, put in, and it is, it is very clear that you can put in a, a word after yes, but it must be an expletive. So bear that in mind. But then the description says the yes utility outputs the expletive or by default, the letter Y forever. And I guess it does it as fast as it possibly can, which means it's taking up its own CPU core to do so. So interesting. Thank you, Hog Molly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never never knew about the yes command. Yeah. 
right. Stop it. Uh, control. I would say. No, yeah, control C. That's that's the quick tip, right? Yeah. Control C would yeah. stop a terminal command from running usually. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for bringing that up. That's not that's Is there a no command? <laughs> that, that yeah, the, the control C to stop a terminal command is not obvious unless you know it. And then yeah. then it becomes the epitome of the quick tip, which is the thing that we do one of you know, one or many of us will do all the time, but if you don't know it then it seems like magic to the people that, that catch you doing it. So, yeah. All right. But, but we aren't in quick tips yet because we still have lots of cool stuff found to go through, including one from Abemanu who says, uh, recently in one of your shows, you were discussing writing to NFC tags from an iPhone. And he's, he recommends an app called placebo with two eyes p-l-a-c-i-i-b-o of course all of these things are linked from the show notes at MacGeekCap.com, but uh placebo would be the the cool his cool stuff found suggestion but john you said you 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 tried messing with this and had a little had a little issue with it yeah um when it started up it was asking for like an encryption key or something like that it was just like hmm huh yeah it does say all NFC tags are automatically encrypted with user provided encryption key. Huh? Yeah. So that kind of threw me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I got one. It's just called NFC. I'm looking at my phone here. Okay. And that one just lets you read and write from the start. So got it. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, we will link both of those from the show notes as well. Sweet. Thanks, Abimanyu. I appreciate it. It's always good to have these conversations. John, you want to take us to Elliot? Uh, yes. Uh, hold on. John's working with a much smaller screen than usual to this week, so bouncing between things. Yeah. Well, he's looking at that. Let me ask. That. So uh, NFC is probably best best used with like shortcuts and that sort of thing, right? Is it is that the most common use for him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to get things to trigger. Or- yeah, um, I, yes, that's that's how, that's one way I've used them. How about you, John? Uh, the program that I mentioned, and we'll see if that can be found. I can't see right now. Um, it actually has templates for a lot of different things, like a, a URL, a business card, ah, okay. stuff like that. You can also use it to trigger things, I guess. Yeah, it, well. it, it yeah, it basically right. It 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 feeds a a thing to your phone. So the a URL is a good I like that that use case. Yeah, for shortcuts, Pete, you're not I mean you program the NFC, but not with the shortcut. More it's that you program the shortcut to trigger when it encounters that NFC, NFC. tag. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's just something I haven't fiddled with, and I know I can get some NFC tags on Amazon and then write them and yeah, it's just I haven't fiddled with it yet. I, I know I know it's something I could have some real fun with. If I, yeah, man, yes. this program has the following templates: business card, web link, Wi-Fi, shortcut, location, text, telephone number, SMS, and email. So, man, cool, nice. Yeah, Pete, I've got I bought a bag of NFC tags from Amazon a number of years ago, and I've used many of them. And I still have a bag of NFC tags that I bought from Amazon years ago. So the next, multiplying in there, Dave. <laughs> I think so. They're like rabbits. Uh, they're technological <laughs> rabbits. I think that's what they are. 
There's a show title. <laughs> I think, you know, I thought it might be Requiem for a keyboard, but um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Technological rabbits. <laughs> that is not, those are not two words I ever expected to say together, but they think they are. NFC tags are technological rabbits. Um, uh, and and uh, so I, I, I'm happy to share some with you, if you don't mind your right. home being a breeding ground for these things. That's, John was supposed to be looking something up, and I brought us down a rabbit hole and found technological rabbits. Technological Literally. rabbits down the rabbit hole. I mean, how much more perfect yeah. is that? Yeah. I have this vision of an episode image that is like a steampunk rabbit. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. There was a book. I don't know. Oh, man, I'm sorry about this. Uh, there was a book y- years ago, like like decades ago, when I was a, a wee lad. That And I can't remember the name of it um, at the moment. I know I've researched it since then, but the, the, the book was like a coffee table book and it just had pictures, different pictures of rabbits. But the entirety of the book was a treasure map to a rabbit, like a gold encrusted gem encrusted rabbit that was worth some, you know, ridiculous amount of money. It came with a prize or something. And, and there was one of them. And they sold countless copies of these books to people in the, I'm going to say the 70s, maybe the early 80s, but probably not. It's more like the 70s. And it was hidden somewhere around the world. But if you deciphered all the clues in this book, you would then be able to find the rabbit. And eventually, I think somebody did. Uh, I have no idea what the book title was. It was like one word. I want to say enchantment, but it's not. It's not. But uh, I'm sure I could look it up in the great big book Maybe of everything. Somebody in Discord might remember. Yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, John, maybe you can dig us out of this rabbit hole, uh, at least mm-hmm. with Elliot's guide. Matt, Elliot's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, John, save me. All right. Elliot says Mac menu bar at MacMenuBar.com is a curated directory of more than 700 Mac menu bar apps browsable by categories such as audio, battery, weather, clipboard managers, cleaning apps, note-taking apps, window management, etc. You can also quickly check the latest editions, which I did for you. Um, my humble opinion, nerds should start by checking the system tools category. Ah, okay. Cool. Um, yeah, and I, I looked at the latest one, and um, so here's a few that I found. Um, vitals, um, and what vitals does is it shows you a little window with all your running processes, but it shows a historical, um, uh, ticker of how much CPU each one uses. So that's kind of neat. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. Being able to see which apps use. Oh man. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm in. So it's a there it is, Pete. super Thanks. process monitor. Yeah, right. Interesting. Did you find any other good ones? This is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, here's one called Radar. I liked it. And what that will do is show you various statistics. Um, uh, and they have templates. So, for example, um, I just set it up with two of the ones that they show. Uh, so one shows my Twitter follower count and the other shows the Apple stock price. But you can put other numbers up there and I think you can also set alerts. So um, huh. if certain things happen. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. And then the uh, the last one is called App Police. 
And what App Police does is it also shows you um, what processes are running, but it lets you throttle select processes. Kind of so, like um, uh, uh, App Tamer, right? Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. And these are all free. So. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really cool. Wow. Like, oh, uh, nice find. Widgets on steroids. Yeah. I mean, you like, could, you'll fill up your menu bar and then some. Then, then you're like, if ever there was a quick tip to help sell bartender for the Mac, like, uh, this is it, right? Because bartender, if you're not using bartender on your Mac, I, I highly recommend checking it out because what bartender does is it lets you control how many things and which of those, how many things are appearing in your max menu bar at any point in time. Uh, and you can have multiple menu bars too. So bars. That, yeah. Yeah. Do you, I, I don't use the multiple bars thing. I have, you know, my main bar and then my everything bar. Do you use the multiple bars thing, Pete? Uh, I'm probably about to with this new cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. I, I haven't as yet, but I can, I can almost assure you I will be. Yeah. And, then, uh, and, and I will mention, gee, Dave, where could you find bartender? Is I, that well, maybe? Oh, that's right. Bartender is in setup. I was going to say MacBartender.com. So if you don't have yeah. setup, go to MacBartender.com. But yeah, it's it's all, you're right. It's also in setup. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Those guys, man, they cracked the code. Just saying. I think so. Uh, yeah. They um they certainly have convinced. Talk about free advertising, right? They've they've certainly yeah. figured out how to get us to talk about their product all the time. Um. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the and the prices, you know, I'm I'm not a fan. I like to buy a program instead of a subscription thing. I don't sure. like the subscription model because I don't want you in my wallet all the time. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. my choice. But that's one of the subscriptions I'm happy to pay the price for. It's yeah. a bargain. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the next cool stuff found comes from my friend and co-host of business brain shannon jean who told told and taught me about a website called barely b-e-a-r-l-y dot a-i and what this does is it it summarizes it's it's a it's an engine that you point a website at it it works in chrome it's a, a chrome extension and you point it at a website or a block of text or something and then it will summarize that and rewrite it for you in different ways. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very cool thing and and worth playing with. They've got a little video on the website to uh, to you know to to walk you through some of the demo use cases, but it's just worth going and playing with. So um, wow, yeah. So I leave you to that and enjoy. But it's free, hey. You know, so we try to balance the cool stuff found most of the time with stuff that's free and and then the other stuff. So. Good. Yeah. Moving yeah, on up. Cool. Yeah. All right. College kids writing your papers, you know, Help right. Reword. Yeah. Let a computer write your papers for you. It's the future kids. You know, I mean, I, like I know that in schools right now, when you have an AI write your stuff for you, you pro- and they find out you probably would fail. <clears throat> and we all, I think would agree that that is a, a, the correct way to do things. Would either of you right. disagree? No, I mean, it needs to be your work. Okay. It just seems to me that barely helps you 
more clearly express your idea. I could be wrong. No, you're you're I I mean, your opinion is your opinion. It's not wrong or right. It's just it it is. And it doesn't surprise me that all three of us sort of are in the same mindset on this. But I will share an anecdotal story from my uh, own history in high school in 10th grade. I had I think it was 10th grade when we had to write our first term papers. I had um, an Apple IIc at home. I'm very happy to have this Apple IIc at home. And I, they, you know, the process, this was to learn how to write a paper. So there was a process to it. And the rough draft was probably more important than the final product, right? Because this, we had to write a rough draft and then we would go through an editing process, both individually with the teacher and then also with our groups in the class. And then we would, you know, present a finalized product and, and the grade was sort of on the whole project. Great. Like, no problem. Fine. I, uh, so I went home and I, I wrote my term paper and of course I wrote it on my Apple two C cause I had it and I knew how to type and, <clears throat> and it was relatively new for us. This was really our first computer. We had a Timex Sinclair before that, but you know, in terms of, I don't know, Sinclair had its, had its new, had its utility, but so I did it <clears throat> and I printed out my, my work and I brought it in and the teacher was like, I can't accept this. And I said, uh, what, what do you, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you're, this isn't a rough draft. You know, you've printed this. And I'm like, well, just you wait, go ahead and read it. Like, I'm pretty sure you're going to disagree with yourself I'm after. Pretty sure it's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Like, I, I don't think I'm that good, you, you know? And, uh, she's like, well, yeah, but you didn't hand write it. Like the final product has to be typed, but the, the rough draft, everybody else hand wrote it. And I'm like, that's fine. It doesn't bother me, whatever they chose to do. I'm like, I did this. And she's like, well, you did this on a computer, right? And I said, yeah. She said, well, this is like cheating because everybody else in the class uh, wrote it out by hand and then is going to have to, after we do the edits, is going to then have to go and type the whole thing, you know, essentially writing it a second time on a different medium. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's on them. Like, uh, yeah, all I have to do is go in and do the edits and then reprint, like, obviously. And yeah. that is what every single person that's listening to this show would do today. But back then, future. what's future that? Then. It was the future then. It was, no, I, she failed me for the project. And I went straight to my guidance counselor. And I was like, like this, and I even told her, I'm like, this is the future. And it's not like some hundred year future. I'm like within five years, this is how this class is going to be taught. And the opposite will be the exception rather than the rule. And my guidance counselor looked at the teacher and she's like, <clears throat> he's a hundred percent, right? You, this you, is, you did not put in the requirements that people had to hand write their rough draft. This is not a penmanship class. Yeah. This is an English class and he is getting full benefit arguably more than full benefit of this because he's able to focus on the English part of it and not the pedantic handwriting and rewriting of this thing over and over again. And the teacher was pissed, pissed. But so I two and a half more years with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but I, I share this anecdote because right now we all think that using an AI to write our papers is cheating. And, Someone thought that using a computer to write my paper was cheating and literally failed me until she was forced not to. So 
who knows what the future holds? I, I certainly don't. Right. Yeah, I did then, though. I was darn certain what the future held in that moment. And, it, and I was right. But it was it was already there. It wasn't the future. It was it was the present. We just needed everybody to catch up. So. Anyway, that's thanks. For, thank you for coming to my TED talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it does sound like I had a bad teacher, Brian Monroe, who said that in the live.mac. Yeah, she wasn't a bad teacher. She was a teacher who had been doing this for decades, had been set in her ways, had lost most of her neuroplasticity to adapt to new technology and new things. She was change resistant, folks. And uh, I was happy to help her with that. Look, look at my gift you know, to that's her. When it's time as a teacher to retire because right when you become a teacher, you want to do it because you want to help kids to learn and to explore new ways of expanding their horizons and how to learning how to think. And, and so when the teacher gets to the, no, you're going to do it this way. And that's the only way to do it. Right. Here, here's what to think, not how to think. Here, it's, yeah. It's time to be done. It's time to be done. I, I mean, I think, yes, I think that's true in a lot of professions. Like if you if you find yourself unwilling to learn a new thing and after you learn it, then deciding whether it's good or bad, that, like that's totally relevant. And, and the, you know, years, decades of experience that you bring to that decision is hugely valuable. You need to be informed to make a decision, right? Making a decision of I, I am resisting change. That's very different than, look, I've done it this way. I've, I, I've done it this other way. And I've, I've tried this new thing. And now, no, I, I think we learn better by doing, you know, by, by proceeding this way. That, like, there's value to that, I think. Yeah. There's a guy on one of my shows recently said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, especially pretty profound that you know oh. once you're an expert in your field now it's time to be quiet and listen to other people around you and you're actually going to learn other things even though you know it all you don't really I, i'm typing this into the show notes only because i don't want to lose that phrase that is i yeah. love it's what you learn after you know it all that counts i like it that's yeah. great yeah 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 there's a i mean in the in and i am i am not a practicing buddhist nor a practicing nor do i uh, or do you play one on TV? <laughs> no, I don't. But I do really like this concept in in Zen of beginner's mind and always starting everything with that childlike wonder of what can I what, what you know, I, I, I there's so little that I know. What can I learn from this and and how do I approach it as a beginner? It's very difficult to do because our brains are are engineered uh, or are built, I, I don't know, whatever our brains work such that we are always seeking shortcuts and we need that. We have to find shortcuts. We have to be able to ignore lots of things in order to get through the day. Right. And, and so we have to be efficient about stuff and our brains are extremely good at that. And so to maintain beginner's mind is, is not easy. Like it's, that is an intentional thing. Once you're, you know, beyond the age of about eight, I think, you know, like up until then, it's super easy. So anyway, thank you for coming to our TED Talk now. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Julian saves us from this. Uh, man, that was going to be a quick, cool stuff found too. Uh, with uh, the the app Copy Paste, which of course is a um, 
clipboard manager, or maybe you don't know that, but it adds a functionality that they are calling trigger clip and trigger clip is a shortcuts manager, kind of like a text expander or Apple's keyboard shortcuts thing. So uh, a snippets manager uh, is now added inside copy paste. So if you are using copy paste as your clipboard manager, and if you're not using a clipboard manager, please reference the discussion we just had about learning and in, and learning something before you dismiss it. Because I think everyone that I've introduced to a clipboard manager has adopted it immediately. It is life-changing. But if you're using copy-paste as your clipboard manager, then make sure to check out Trigger Clip. If you don't yet have a clipboard manager, maybe check out copy-paste because maybe you can consolidate some functionality there. I consolidate my functionality into Keyboard Maestro. That's my clipboard manager. But if you don't have one, please take that as your quick tip for the day, yeah. your pr most important one. Uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Moving on still. Yeah. Okay. Uh, listener Mark shares with us a fantastic YouTube channel uh, called Space Rex. Uh, for Synology stuff. This guy does so much uh, about Synologies. It's kind of like Marius hosting, right? Like the two of them together are putting out so much Synology content, teaching us so much about uh, the nuances of using our various Synology devices that uh, it's a good place. I've, I, uh, I am now subscribed to SpaceRex, but I, I certainly had stumbled into SpaceRex many times searching for how do I do this with my Synology? And there was, space rex to um so you know to i'm eager to look at say that say that again pete you cut I'm, out i'm eager to look at that uh that because you know i'm always struggling to learn new stuff with synology absolutely but yeah you mentioned marius hosting and i'm gonna circle back on that because it was a few shows back we talked about it and you talked about he has a an ip deny list for people trying to maliciously attack your yeah your synology disk station yeah, I, I, I bought it. It was, it's a donation type thing, but sure. I, I bought it and I went, I, I had developed a thousand over 40 years by people. Remember we talked about shutting down. If people try to log in too many times, it automatically denies them and I do it forever. Yep. So over four years, I got about a thousand IP addresses permanently banned from trying to log into my disk station. And I went to Marius and got his list. And now I'm over 8,000 IP addresses, not allowed to log into my disk station. So did I, did I tell you, I had a conversation with Marius uh, about that? Well, about a lot of things, but that yeah. list came up and the way he develops it is he subscribes to a separate internet service provider connection has a separate disk station that sits on that connection with nothing else. Pot, right? And it's a honeypot. Yeah. It's wide open and there's no way that any, it is, it is completely air gapped from the rest of his network. Uh, meaning it's not plugged in. You know, he has to log into that separately, uh, but they, there's no way it can get to anything else. And he just invites the world in and anybody that shows up there shows up on his list because <laughs> yeah because because there's no one legitimate that would ever try to access that device so it really is a fantastic resource that uh that he does yeah it's great that's great um speaking of synology i have something that's not synology to talk about uh i i mentioned we've talked here on the show about how synology's product roadmap 
does not have devices with hardware transcoding engines in them. Most of the time, that's a GPU uh, baked into the CPU is the sort of how the, the, the most inexpensive way to do that. There are other ways to do it. I've learned uh, one of you taught me that it doesn't have to be a GPU. There are other things that are truly just hardware transcoding engines that can be built into CPUs. But regardless of all of that, Synology's roadmap does not have hardware transcoding as part of it. In fact, the last time they released a disk station that had the ability to do it was in 2020 with their uh, 1520 plus the 920 plus. Uh, I think that there was, there were others, but, but those are the, certainly the two popular ones. And, uh, it makes a huge difference having that hardware transcoding engine if you're running like a Plex server or a media server, really, a, a video media server. It doesn't so much matter with audio. Uh, and so I've been looking at other NAS options for media serving, and I got a QNAP TVS H474, I'll link to all of this, and started playing with that as a Plex server. I linked it to my same Plex library. Uh, most of you who are sharing my Plex library with me have been moved over to using that instead of the Synology. But my initial tests, it was interesting. Um, the, the, my, so I compared it to my 1520 plus, which has the, in the Celeron J4 125 CPU. It's got four threads with four cores and the Intel UHD graphics 600, the QNAP, the H474, has a Pentium Gold G7400. Uh, the most important part is that it has Intel UHD Graphics 710. So we're going from Intel UHD Graphics 600 to Intel UHD Graphics 710. So it's a slight bump up, right? I downloaded to my iPad two movies, uh, the same movie uh, twice from my QNAP in the time that it took to download one from the Synology because it's transcoding from the the you know full 4K down to 720p as I'm downloading it to my uh, to my iPad because that's what I do for for travel. So not it's twice as fast. So that's great. But the Synology does it because it's got that transcoding engine. It can on the fly transcode a 4K movie down to 720 just fine. Sort of. I. After I set it up, I did this test. I'm like, okay, this is great. There is a future here. Now, I will say, I don't like the QNAP uh, uh, Q, like operating system nearly as much as I like the Synology operating system. There's a lot of things missing. They don't have an analog for Synology Office. So that whole Google Office thing where you can, you know, with Google, you can go to Google Docs and Google Sheets and collaborate. Synology Office lets you do that. But you manage the server, so it's not stored on Google. It's stored on yours, but it's the same web inter it's kind same kind of web interface. We use it here for our scheduling spreadsheet. It works great. Um, there is nothing like that on QNAP. So so and and there are a few other things, but that to me that's the big one that's missing from QNAP. But QNAP is very focused on this stuff. In fact, the uh, the QNAP has a PCIe. Uh, slot in it so that you um so that you can sorry that the, 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 i was distracted by the i thought the police were coming to get me uh thank you for muting john uh the qnup has a pcie slot in it so that you can put in your own gpu and transcode even faster right uh 
So it like it, it really is built for this as one of its flagship purposes. And and the product manager there uses uh, his QNAP as a, a, you know, a Plex server or a media server of some kind. So it like it doesn't surprise me that they see the, the reason for this. But where it got interesting was my daughter's living in Italy and uh, was watching something from our Plex server over there. And she's like, you know, I, I hate to bother you with this because it's not urgent. And I know this is a busy time of year for you. I'm like, yeah, hey, what's up? You know, go. Uh, I'm like, you kind of get priority, kiddo. And and she said, uh, every time we start to watch a thing, like half the time, it it just like buffers a lot. It starts and stops. But we're pretty sure it's not our connection because we can watch Netflix. No problem. And I'm like, all right, well, good news. I have an easy way to test this. And I moved her and her boyfriend from watching on that, you know, the Synology Plex Media Library to the QNAP Plex Media Library. Same thing. And she's like, all right, let me test it. 20 minutes later, I get a text. She's like, 100% fine. So there's something about how the QNAP is optimized for Plex and transcoding that seems, at least from what I can tell in my anecdotally limited tests, to be even more efficient for this kind of thing. Now, who knows? Maybe there's something else going on with my Synology that's like blocking network access, but I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, it was fascinating to see that, uh, yeah, the QNAP. So how much did that just cost me, Dave? Well, I don't know, Pete. <laughs> I don't know, Pete. You can, you can get the... The H four seventy four, which is what I have, is is like thirteen hundred bucks. But I, I've 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 looked out. I, I prepared for this question, Pete. The QNAP TS four fifty three D has that same Celeron J four one twenty five, and is five hundred bucks. So, like, I, yeah, I, I think like, and, and it's a currently sold model it's not like you're getting like like for the synology the ds1520 plus you know you've got to dig into the the, the archives and find somebody that has it in an extra stock or whatever because it's not sold right. anymore it's not current this is a current thing so i've got both of them already are linked in the show notes for you all so good yeah nice sweet yeah sweet Sweet. Yeah, no, it's it's been an interesting experiment and um I I will keep you all posted on it. Hey, you know, Battleship is a fun board game that a lot of us played as kids and sometimes we even play it as adults. Also, as adults, we sometimes have to play Calendar Battleship, which is that frustrating game we play with our doctors trying to find out when we're both free for an appointment like, you know, in 3 months. No, no. With our sponsor Zocdoc, Booking an appointment with a doctor that suits your needs, fits your schedule, is in your network, and is in your neighborhood is easy. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. So whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix your achy back, get your mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc's got you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. You search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. And when you're doing that finding, the searching, you know, you're finding local doctors who have been reviewed. That's right. You get to read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments with real doctors. It's almost like they've figured out how we want this to work. Because this way, when we walk into our doctor's office... 
We're all set to see somebody in our network who gets us. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I've used it whenever I need to look for doctors because I like to see those reviews. It makes a difference. Look, join me. Go to ZocDoc.com MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-G-G, ZocDoc.com slash M-G-G. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Next up is our sponsor, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. For example, you can learn songwriting from John Legend. You can learn, I did this one. How to Think Like an FBI Profiler with John Douglas. This is fascinating stuff. The Power of Personal Branding with Chris Jenner. Bob Iger teaches business strategy. Gordon Ramsay teaches cooking. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. This way, as a member, you can explore at your own pace. And each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, you know, whatever fits in. Masterclass is available on your phone, on the web, on your smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. Masterclass has over 2,500 video lessons from 180 plus of today's most brilliant minds and are available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash MGG today. That's masterclass.com slash MGG. Terms apply. And our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's do some questions, shall we? Uh, Bruce has, has, well, this might be a geek challenge, but, you know, we'll see. It could be. Yeah, I kind of solved it. So anyways, um, Bruce says, I have a client who would like to be able to be logged into multiple iCloud accounts for messages, but Apple's Messages app only allows for a single account at any given time. Do you know of any other messaging clients out there that will pick up iMessages or perhaps a different solution altogether? Ooh. Um, so, yes, you're right. Um, one option could be to try a third-party messaging client. Have you found um, one that works with iMessage? Uh, no, I went I went through a couple on this list. So I found this really nice list over at iMore called Best Messaging Apps for Mac. Okay. Um, but I tried a few of them, and I don't think anything, any of them support Apple's messages. But you may want to consider, uh, you know, using a different protocol like Jabber or AOL or something like that. I, I would I would say Signal or Telegram these days are, are, are or, or, ah, or okay. WhatsApp Re- it really. And I, I I'll put WhatsApp at the top of my list. WhatsApp would be the first one that I would jump to because it's just so ubiquitous. Mo- yeah, in, I think- in most of the world, not it's not so much here in the U.S., but everywhere else, that's the platform. Unless unless you're in China, in which case WeChat is the ubiquitous platform. So, yeah. Um, another thought. So I think it's major overkill would be to run a Mac OS virtual machine and have that instance log into the other iCloud account. I mean, you could have, you could just have another uh, user account on your Mac that's mm-hmm. logged in to messages on the other account. I mean, it, you're right. The, the VM might be, it, it allows you to really truly see both at the same time as opposed to have the switching accounts, but yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. But then I did a bit bit more digging and I found something over at GitHub called iMessage Web Client. And they explicitly say in the description of the project, be signed into two or more iMessage accounts at once on one iOS and or Mac device. Um so I tried that. I had to update my um uh, so you have to you have to pull it from uh from GitHub and then compile it yourself. Okay. Um yeah, I tried that. I had to update my Xcode. I had to update the command line tools, and then finally it compiled. But then the next step when I tried to uh, activate it, so I had to install like NPM and, and mm-hmm. some other things that I didn't have on my machine. Um, but when I tried to start it, it failed, saying it couldn't find SQLite. Oh, that's so. weird, because SQLite should be there by default on your Mac. So, huh. All right. And what what was this called? I just don't see a link for it in our. Um... Uh, no, let me. Uh, yeah, iMessage Web Client. Okay, all right. Huh? And, and it's it's like ten years old too, right? Um. Yeah the the source is like. Yeah, like eight years old. All right. There used to be something called. I'm looking here. Air message at airmessage.org, which is iMessage for Android and for the web. I don't know how current it is. I'm literally learning about it right now. But uh, use iMessage on any computer with AirMessage. My concern is, well, I don't know. Visit AirMessage on a Mac computer to download. You can sign in with Google. I don't know. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I can see this being valuable uh, for sure. Huh. I I, yeah, I will those, go ahead, Pete. I was going to say, and those are all going to be encrypted, right? Because there's that silly commercial out there about, yeah, hey, we use carrier pigeons to transmit your mail and, and all your text messages are unencrypted. I'm, I'm trying to think maybe on some Android systems or something, but oh, iMessage is always encrypted, right? Text me- SMS is, is not encrypted. Is, is in the clear. And that's yeah. true on your iPhone or, or any sure. platform, I, b- I believe, but, sure. but iMessage is not SMS. iMessage right. also, it's blue. yeah, it's, it's encrypted. Correct. It is end to end encrypted. Yeah. So that was going to be my comment about using some, some third party hosted, engine to do this and it seems like air message might be that i don't know enough about it but just be aware that you might be giving someone else the ability to decrypt your iMessages on your behalf so just be aware of that as you're heading down this path but um yeah it's interesting and i would think the only time you're worried about that anyways if you're transmitting passwords or account numbers and that kind of thing but you know yeah yeah the most part want to meet for lunch who cares <laughs> i i am eager to see the world move away from sms and move to whatsapp and i i i know that the, the, what the the sort of ripple effect implications are of, of saying that because it's you know it's not a public thing it's it's you know all it's but, privately owned sure it's privately owned yeah but um i mean whatsapp is end-to-end encrypted whatsapp is cross-platform so it, and and it is you know you can create it's it's like iMessage for everyone in a, in a, in that in a sense because yeah. you can you get all the benefits of of like a modern messaging protocol unlike SMS 
where, you know, if you're trying to send, especially movie files, but even sometimes images, they just get like compressed and, and, you know, depending on the phones that are involved, things get weird with, with SMS and MMS and WhatsApp is just a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a modern protocol. So yeah, I, I, do you use what, do you find that you use WhatsApp a lot, Pete? Uh, I I do. In fact, I was going to state that uh, WhatsApp quickly, back when I first started flying international, uh, Skype was the way that you talked back to home without having to dial in 32 digits on a sprint card and and all that kind of stuff. So you could call home via Skype. Once WhatsApp came out, it quickly replaced Skype in the international pilot community to talk to your families, talk to your friends from anywhere in the world to all over the world. Yeah. It just it just worked. Yeah, right. It just works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime I, I travel out of the country, like if I have to sync up with an Airbnb owner, you know, in, in Europe or Mexico or whatever, or I have to, you know, like contact even contacting like restaurants for reservations and certainly taxis and all of those things. It's oh, yeah, just yeah, use WhatsApp. You, they're like, you have WhatsApp, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I, I'm good. You know, and it, it's it's it is the way. So I. If you are someone who has not installed WhatsApp on your phone, I recommend like get yourself over that hurdle now when, when the stakes are low and you're at home and you're not like in a desperate need to communicate with someone. And then that way, when that moment happens, you're already set. So that's my advice. So I'm sure somebody has a reason not to use WhatsApp. Um, I can't, I can't think of one. Well, it's, uh, is it owned by Facebook or Microsoft? I yeah, forget. It's, I'm pretty sure it's Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why. That, right. No, there, there's like, yeah, those reasons, but yeah, political yeah. reasons not to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I respect that, but also the rest of the world uses it. So, you know, factor that into your decision making. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of where we should go here. Um, Ed asks a, a question that I will answer very quickly here uh, because it keeps coming up on the show. He says, I'm currently using Fubo as my TV provider, and I use the channel's DVR app to record shows so that I can skip commercials. I also have a lifetime membership of using Plex. The channel's DVR can record from my Fubo stream because it has the ability to connect using TV anywhere or TV everywhere, I guess is what it is. TV everywhere is this awesome thing, folks. It, it is the thing that allows you to log in to like abc.com using your cable subscription or your Fubo subscription or your YouTube TV subscription and then watch shows there, right? The channel's DVR app leverages that engine, which is, I think, publicly mandated uh, for all of these people to to sort of use. And uh, it the channel's DVR leverages that to just record content on your behalf. You can have it on your like Synology or your QNAP. Uh, you put it on your, your, your NAS and you're good to go. Uh, he continues. He says, I haven't been able to find how to get a TV everywhere connection to my streams for Plex. Do you know if that's possible? So that it is possible. Uh, I will put a link in the, uh, the show notes at MacGeekUp.com where people have figured out how to link channels and Plex and use channels as a Plex tuner so that Plex can see TV everywhere. But there is no direct map from Plex to TV everywhere. And 
I've never headed down this path because it's a major uh, undertaking and it looks like it's one of those things that's never going to be stable. You're always going to have to be playing some version of cat and mouse. However, I just point my Plex server at the channel's DVR folder as yet another media library. And so everything that channels records appears in Plex and then I can watch it in Plex or anybody. My daughter could watch it in Plex from anywhere in the world. And for people who travel, channels is great because like YouTube TV and Fubo are uh, limited by where your location is when you're watching, whereas channels is limited by the location of the device that's doing the recording. And you can stream via channels too. Like it, it's got, and it will take advantage of hardware transcoding. Well, where I'm really going with all of this, folks, is that on Saturday, uh, so the December 10th, uh, we are doing a cord cutting hangout at 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to start it in our Discord group. And the reason we're going to start it in our Discord group is because if I post the Zoom link publicly, it becomes a fecal matter show. A and turd tornado. <laughs> yeah, we don't want a turd tornado again. So we are going to to limit it to, I mean, it's free to join our Discord, but it's also not just publicly publishing the Zoom link. And that's going to be better for all of us. So come to our Discord channel. We will have the Zoom link in there for you. And uh, and then we'll just hang out for about an hour. I don't really have much more than an hour to do this that day. I've got uh, actually a hockey game with my son to go to. But uh, but but you folks, I, I you know, potentially we can, if, if, it, if it looks like it needs to go longer, we can either schedule another one or we can figure it out. But come with us. And bring this is these hangouts are many to many conversations. You can participate as much as you want. In fact, I would we we would love it if you participated because we're all doing our own version of cord cutting. I, you know, anyone if you have a subscription to Netflix, to me that brings you into the cord cutting conversation. You may not have like actually cut the cord. You may still have a coax connection to your cable company. You know, technically I've cut the cord. But I'm using Fubo TV, which is sort of like ish because it does sort of the same thing in the end. Uh, join us Saturday, September, uh, September. Please don't join us. In, well, you can join us in September. It's got a long way away. You'll be late. You'll be late. <laughs> right. <laughs> Saturday, December 10th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll hang out for an hour. If, if, if you're so inclined, you know. Bring a, a an adult beverage if you like. Bring a tasty beverage of any kind. Whatever you want to do. It's it's a loose hangout. There is no agenda for this. At least I don't have one. But bring your thoughts. Bring your questions. This is what we love about these hangouts. So we'll see you there in September, but also in December. John, you had a problem this week, my friend. Yeah. So um, I was going through uh, our email box, and I saw that you know you were doing some testing for Pete, I guess. Um, um, and then, but, but, uh, I, so I was on my computer and I was also, um, watching TV in my entertainment center. So, you know, I'd, I'd watch what's happening and every now and then would look down to the computer to take care of something. And at one point, you know, I was looking up at the TV and then I looked down at the computer and all my emails were gone. Almost all of them. They were like, it, it was showing like five unread ones. And I'm like, Huh, I wonder if that's because you're doing some reconfiguration of our email. Sure. Fair fair like, assumption. Spoiler like, alert, I was not. 
Um, so I'm like, what do I do? Um, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, well, let me rebuild the mailbox. Maybe that'll fix it. Maybe the index is, is corrupt. Um, that didn't do it. Then I noticed on the screen, uh, on, on the top of the mail screen, uh, this little symbol that I've never used before called filter was blue. And I'm like, ah, that's not the way it usually looks. And I clicked on filter and all the emails came back. If you click on filter, the default behavior of it is to show you only unread messages. And that's exactly what it did because it thought that's what I wanted. But right. I so uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? <laughs> no, that, that well, it, that's a yeah, great. You click on it, and, and it did exactly what you told it to do. Yeah, without I'm, realizing you told it. I've gotten caught by that too. I, I do use the filter thing, uh, especially when I'm traveling, and you know, I'm trying to like manage my my triage my emails in a way that that I can sort of keep things controlled while I'm traveling. And so I have my filters set. I believe I don't have mail open, and I'm not going to launch it. Uh, while we're in the middle of a show uh, just because launching mail sometimes causes hiccups. But I think I have my filters set to allow to show me unread messages and flagged messages. And do you remember John, where you can set that? Because I don't have mail open to look at this right now, but, but there is a place both on Mac and on iOS where you can set this. Do either of you remember? I'm looking now under Thank uh, you. configuration, you know, command yeah, comma. I, I want to say, uh, I, I always hunt for it. We'll, we'll, we'll share it uh, in, in it, hopefully maybe somebody in discord will share it or we'll share it in the next show. I, I, um, I want to, I want to get to a couple of quick tips here. So, uh, so we'll 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 circle back to that, but it is possible to configure this, and and we'll we'll get there, either this show or certainly the next one. So it gives you a reason to listen next week. Pete, you want to uh, you want to share Ben's quick tip for us here? I, I do. Yeah, uh, Ben writes to us. Uh, you've talked about the ability to see the password of the current Wi-Fi network in iOS 16, but did you know you can also reveal the password of any known network? even when not connected. Uh, it was just posted on uh, 9 to 5 Mac. And in Wi-Fi settings, you tap edit and authenticate with your face ID, your thumbprint, or whatever it is you use to authenticate. Then you tap the little I in the circle next to any network for more info, and it'll reveal the password. And also, it'll allow you to control settings uh, previously only available while connected to that network. So, for instance, I, I run three networks in the house, one in the 2.4 gigahertz range. And so I can go to that even though I'm not connected to it. Click that little I and it comes up. Oh, here's the password that you're using for that network. And here's here's how you can configure it. So I thought that was pretty cool. I remember when they first talked about, hey, you'll now be able to see passwords to the network you're connected to. Yeah, right. Right. Why haven't we been able to do that for 10 years? Uh, dude. Just, just asking. Oh, <laughs> for dude. A friend. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, you know, my, my favorite story, one of my favorite stories about this to tell is when I had to figure out the password for a network, I had the iPad that, that was logged in, but it, there was no sharing of it. There was none of that stuff. So I had to log my iCloud account into that iPad, turn on iCloud keychain, let it sync, and then I could see it on my Mac. 
So, Ooh, tricky. Right? That, but that was the, I, I'm like, yeah. I know, like, this device knows it. I, like, it, I'm, it, it, this information wants to be here. free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I set it free. Wow. Yeah, so thanks, Ben, for that tip. That's, yeah, that's, that's great, being able to look at other networks and find out what you've got for a password there. Absolutely. John, you want to take us to Mark here? See how many of these quick tips Mark. we can get through. As an Apple Watch quick tip, you can double click on the stem to quickly switch back and forth between previously used apps. I did not know that. And it does it. Um, what? So it's, it, it, yeah. Try it. I just did. Sorry. Yeah. I interrupted. <laughs> it's cool, huh? So yeah, I don't know what. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Well, no, I, I could see that. But then my concern is, so how far back does it go as far as previously run apps? I think it just switches. As I'm seeing it, it switches between the current Lasted. app and, and, and the one before it. And it flip-flops mm -hmm. between those two. But yeah. it, to answer your, your, I think, rhetorical question, John, mm -hmm. where I would use it is if I'm, let's say I go for a hike in the woods, something I do very often. Uh, I often... Every time I hike, I will turn on the exercise thing, you know, so that my watch tracks my, my, my quote unquote workout. Right. And oftentimes, especially if I'm hiking somewhere that I don't know the trails, I'll also be running all trails in the background, but I like to have all trails in the foreground because it shows me the map of the trail on my watch, but exercise on my watch when it goes to sleep decides to take priority. So if all I have to do is double tap the stem, double click the stem to bring up all trails, man, that's way easier than the, the, the disaster that I have gone through heretofore. So this is, this is great. And if you don't use all trails and you do some hiking, man, I can't recommend it highly enough. So, yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fun stuff. Yeah, uh, I actually found doing that. I found a, the, on the Ultra, you've got the action button on the other side of that watch. Yep. One of the things you can program it to do, and you can do one thing at a time, and I've, I've decided this is the best for me, flashlight. Now I don't have to turn the screen on and swipe up and hit the light and change the color. I can just hit that action button. It turns my flashlight on. So the middle of the night, one button, on comes the light so I don't trip over. Step on the Legos, as it were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a painful lesson to <laughs> There's learn. There's no Legos in my house right now, but I'll find one anyway that's probably been there 20 years. Yeah, or the dog leaves its, like, chewed up and yeah. really, like, sharp yeah. toy uh, in the middle yeah. of the floor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That kind of that kind of furiation is not something I need in my life. I don't know that that's a word. But the infuriation, I guess, is, is yeah. probably the right word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeps you from going back to sleep anytime soon. Sure does. Uh, while we're on the watch thing, Tony shares a quick tip here. And he says, um, I can't remember if uh, this was mentioned before, but because shortcuts can now be an Apple Watch complication, you can effectively have many more functions, a click and perhaps a scroll away on your watch. Very interesting. I like this using your yeah watch to trigger a shortcut. But John, you said you had some trouble with this. Um, I had I only have like one shortcut. Um, got it on my watch, and I tried to activate it, and and nothing happened. So huh. I probably have to write another shortcut first. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yes, right. That, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it would need to be one that makes sense to trigger that way. All right. Uh, we got time. To, let's, let's finish with these yeah. Apple Watch quick tips, shall we, Pete? Okay. Yeah. So uh, after uh, one of the shows, PC Unix reached to us, uh, to us on the uh, Discord channel, said on the latest uh, MGG, y'all briefly mentioned that watch OS low power mode and described it as digital only, everything else is off. Um, and that's no longer true. The watch... Uh, latest OS uh, has a low power mode similar to other devices. Uh, and I said I'd follow up on it and then forgot to, but it's actually quite easy. Uh, swipe up from the bottom or press and hold the bottom. Either way, you get to the control center. Then I've always just looked at it and said, hey, there I've got 55% left on my watch. Well, guess what? If you tap that, it comes up with the option to go into the low power mode. And if you do that, it'll save battery life by turning off always on display, limiting the sensors as well as the cellular and Wi-Fi connections of your Apple Watch. Notifications may be delayed and emergency uh, alerts may not arrive. Uh, and this will turn off features such as background heart rate measurements, heart rate notifications, blood oxygen measurements, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can turn it on for a given amount of time or you can turn it on altogether. That sort of thing. So I was uh, unaware that the low power mode was anything but that digital uh, uh, nightstand mode only. Yeah, right, uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And I think I put the link in there to the support.apple.com article that talks all about it um, in the show notes. So after after this show goes live, you'll be able to get it to mgg.fm slash 958. It'll be right there in the show notes. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Well, that gets us that gets us through here. I like it. This has been an interesting yeah. episode. Yeah. Some, some fun detours. Discount. Let me yeah. do that quick. Okay, okay. Pete's got one yeah. one quick tip left. Go. Apple Store, military discount. Google, Apple Store, military. It's going to take you to a link. The link is in the show notes there also. Uh, but it's essentially id.me, india.delta.me, where you're going to have to go and sign up. You'll need your DD-214, or your, which is your discharge papers, or your ID, or something along those lines to prove you're in the military. And then once you do that, the link in there actually takes you to the Apple Store with the military. Each each ID.me store affiliation has their own website, and ID.me will take you there. And you can go then log on and get your 10% discount. But you won't get it on Apple.com if you just go there. You have to specifically tell it, hey, I'm military. Take me to that part of the store, and it'll get you there. So 10% is nice. Starts talking about real money. It does, um, yeah. Go ahead, John. And another store, so they have a couple of other ones as well. There's an education <laughs> store. So if you search for Apple Education Store, and similarly, I guess you got to prove that you're a student. I guess they do that if you have a .edu email address. Um, and they, they also have a thing, back with, when I did the corporate thing, they have something called an employee purchase program where you can also get a discount. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Check with your, uh, yeah, check with your uh, benefits people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you be part of a purchase program. Sweet. I, uh, I th- thank you for that. Thanks, everybody. Pete, I, I don't say this often because I know it embarrasses you, but I, I, I will say it. Um, so thank you for sharing that tip. But also thank you for your service, Pete. You, uh, I, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, uh, it was hard at the time, but boy, looking back at it, it's given me a lifetime of opportunity. It's it's true. That's true. No, I know you feel like you've, you've gotten more out of it than, than maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you've yeah, gotten no, lots you're out of it. you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. I mean, some, some people obviously do the ultimate sacrifice and put more into it. Correct. And they get out of it. But I have, I have definitely been the beneficiary more than the, 
Yeah. Or then the donor. I've yeah. been the donee rather than donor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, and I, I, I know that. And I, that's, that's why, why I know, why I, I don't it. make a big deal out of it all the time. But, uh, you know, you. we did miss it. I, I did miss it the day that we recorded, which happens to be Veterans Day. So I, I, I wanted to come back to that. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. This has been uh, it's been a fun episode. I hope I hope you got your five things and then some out of it. Uh, if you did, let us know. You can join our Discord at macgeekab.com slash Discord. You can let us know at feedback at macgeekab.com. Uh, if you didn't, uh, let us know. If you did, let us know. If you have something to share, let us know. We want to hear from you. It's it's part of what it is what makes the show go round. It is. Feedback at MacGeekab.com. Whoa, whoa. Feedback at MacGeekab.com? Feedback at MacGeekab.com. That's it. Uh, make sure you join that uh, cord cutting hangout with us on Saturday the 10th, which is the Saturday right after this episode is released. So please join us. We'll see you there. It's going to be fun. Make sure you check out Pilot Pete's aviation podcast. So there I was dot us. There's some great stuff happening there. Uh, Thank the folks at Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Check out our sponsors. You can go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors to see all of the active deals. we got to start a Discord channel for deals, not just sponsor deals, but deals that we can all share. Uh, I don't think I've started that yet, but I've had this idea like when falling asleep before. We're going to change that. Masterclass.com slash MGG. ZocDoc.com slash MGG. John. You made it through the episode despite having to uh, cobble together a a very capable podcasting setup at the last minute. Do you have any advice for people who might find themselves uh, want to prevent something like that from happening in the future? My advice is get another keyboard so you don't get caught. Made up. And we're out. Sweet. Go. Oh. Sweet. Yeah, the. <laughs> I'd like to thank yeah, my. Other, oh, never mind. <laughs> the only other keyboard that I have, but I couldn't figure it out, is um, the Apple wireless keyboard. Yeah. But I couldn't figure out how to pair it with my mini. Just turn it on. That Oh, unplug your existing keyboard because right now, Oh dang it. I wish we talked about this in the show. So this is definitely a good post show thing. Um, or maybe just maybe I will, uh, include this in the, in the show. But, uh, right now your Mac thinks that your keyboard is that it has a keyboard connected, right? So it's not in emergency. I don't have a keyboard mode. And the reason it thinks that it has a keyboard connected is because that dongle that, connects from your Mac to the keyboard identifies itself to your Mac as a keyboard. That's how that oh, works. No, it's not getting a signal from the keyboard. Yeah. The Mac doesn't know that there's no signal coming in. It just sees keyboard. So if you unplug your keyboard from for your dongle from your Mac, then your Mac will go into sort of the panic. I don't have a keyboard mode and, ah. and it might start searching for a Bluetooth keyboard to pair with. So that would be my, um, that's that's my that's that's my thing. So okay, that may be a short term fix then. 
Yeah, that that's yeah. That, there's your fix. So yeah, this I, I'm I'm definitely gonna include this in the show. I gotta edit something anyway, so that we'll we'll do that. So yeah, all right. We'll see you next week.